2: The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Esports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. A lot to get into on a Thursday. We're not going to waste any time because we have the full crew with us today. We have producer extraordinaire G. Hey Wiley. We have Brandon Deutsch. We have Brad Mona. We have Jake Dicker. Jake uh, is going to be heading back home to Wisconsin, so we'll have a Wisconsin correspondent hopefully coming up here in the future, but uh, a lot to get into. And, and I want to start with this uh, and Brandon, I'll probably go to go to you first because um, again, it wasn't the lineup that we expected, but now it's been two games in a row where the Lakers have uh, tweaked things enough where again, I've always felt that they have the pieces in place to contend. I don't want to go crazy, but again, it's been two games and they look completely different again, small sample size, Brandon, Brandon, what have you seen from the Lakers that maybe lead you to believe that they can, uh, you know, turn their season around
1: here? I think it starts with the offense, Arash, and, you know, we saw over the past, you know, four weeks, they weren't using D'Angelo Russell and Austin the starting lineup, and they would get behind in games, and then it was too late to really make a comeback and and win, and I'd have to look up the correct exact stat, but I believe it's close to 80% or even higher that if they lead at halftime, they go on to win the game or if they lead at the end of the first quarter. There's a lot of, most of their losses this season have been down, huge deficits early, and that starts because they're not playing enough defense, yet they're playing defensive guys, a.k.a. Cam Reddish too much, and other guys who we'll get into. But Cam Reddish needs no minutes compared to Max Christie at this point in the season. I think, you know, we've seen kind of what he is, and I think when he comes back from injury, it's no surprise he gets hurt. They play Christie Moore, who has looked excellent, and then all of a sudden, they start winning games. The rotations are better. D'Angelo Russell's able to work in the pick and roll and they can stagger him and have LeBron on the bench and have him run it with Davis when LeBron needs extra rest. Jared Vanderbilt's playing defense. A lot of things are going well. I'd like to see Hayes get no minutes as well with uh, Cam Reddish because I don't think either of those guys can really uh, contribute to winning right now. But, you know, even Christian Wood looks decent off the bench. And again, it's getting those offensive pieces instead of off of the bench when you're already down, right, in the starting lineup with Reeves and Russell is the big, big time thing. Yeah, I I think the
0: Lakers right now, they finally found something that they can just keep going back to, right? There was a lot of confusion about, you know, what's their identity? Is it defense? Is it offense? Uh, You know, is it, you know, getting on transition? That's what they're really good at. They're really good at getting on transition, scoring the basketball off the pick and roll. I mean, now Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell in that starting lineup, they look really good together again. And look... I mean, I don't know how many months it's been, like, of us saying this should happen. And I know that Vanderbilt's not in a starting lineup. It's Touring Prince right now, but even having Torian Prince, who's actually been a pretty good player for the Lakers, one of their better signings in the offseason, that's still a plus for them. And now you have Vanderbilt, who looks healthy, and Darvin Ham said after the game that he's getting healthier, and that's why you see him flying around the court. This is I remember, I'm going to go back to a game against Dallas, where last year, I think it was one of Vanderbilt's first games, and he locked up Luca. he was flying all around the court, he was getting on transition. I just remember that, and it just looks like that now. So if you have a healthy Vanderbilt, you have a pretty solid offense right now with D'Angelo Russell actually playing consistent scoring-wise. I think that this, I mean, it has the makings of something. I know they're still at 500, but it has the makings of something, and that's something you couldn't have
3: said a week ago, right? Yeah, I mean... This is, I don't want to oversimplify things, but it just seems as simple as they're starting to share the basketball, right? Anthony Davis, nine assists last night, which are the second most he's had in his tenure as a Laker. Um, He had 11 the other night against Utah when he had his second career triple-double. And you don't necessarily need your big man star to be, you know, a facilitator of sorts. But a lot of those assists are coming when he's getting double teamed and he's looking and finding the open cutter to the lane, right? They're starting to move the basketball. They're trusting their teammates. Um... I, I know I don't want to buy too much into two games out of out of what is what is now forty two that they've played, but it, it looks a lot like a different team that's really starting to trust each other um, than the team that we saw for the first forty games of the year outside of the IST um, where we know they excelled and I don't I don't want to continue talking about the IST I'd rather forget about it at this point to be honest with you. <laughs> they got but got being up, said, Jake,
2: What are you talking about? They got the banner.
3: <laughs> <up. laughs> um, but that being said. D'Angelo Russell, 29 points, leading this team on a night where everyone's playing. LeBron had a 25 of his own AD, 28, 12, and 9. I mean, it doesn't look like the same team that we've seen for, you know, the last month plus, especially when they've gone through this this really cold streak.
2: Do you think that this run, and again, it's just two games, so I don't want to go go crazy, but I think to, to to some extent, we all thought that let's see some of these guys play together. Let's see them share the ball. Let's see them healthy. Does this change what you thought they would have done? Again, we're coming up on the trade deadline, and I know we got some weeks left. But again, I'll, I'll never forget in Phoenix for Super Bowl weekend when I found out. And by the way, it was after the divisional round where the um, Hachimura trade happened, and then right before uh, the Super Bowl, and I'm in Phoenix, and I find out about you know D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell. And then again, at that point, like I'm thinking that that's at least a playoff team. Had no expectation that that was going to be a conference final team. If this run continues, if they win four or five or six of eight or something like that, Brandon, I'll go back to you. Does that change their mindset? Does that change their thought process at the trade deadline? Do you still look for them to do something? Brandon, you're muted.
1: My bad, my bad. I don't think it's as necessary as previously if they start going on a win streak because they can get hot here. Nets, okay, that should be a win. Again, we say this, but again, sometimes they don't step up to the plate. Trailblazers... And they play the Clippers, who they've had good success against this season, although that's obviously a tough game the way they're playing, and I know we'll get into that. But I think if they start to get hot and D'Angelo Russell continues to play well, he's the, the big tradable contract. I don't personally, I think most Laker fans can attest, they don't want Reeves gone, they don't want Rui gone. And at this point, can you really afford to trade D'Angelo Russell the way, you know, the, what he's doing offensively at this point right now? Because, you know, early on in the season when he wasn't producing much, when he was hit hit or miss, you know, it was easy. Okay, yeah, he's the tradable guy. Let's get him. But DeJounte Murray doesn't really astronomically help this team uh, turn into um, a championship team. I think they have a lot of the pieces there. Max Christie needs to play more minutes. Like I said, get him prepared for a stretch run. Rui Hachimura needs to be a bigger part of the offense off of the bench. And once they fix those things internally, maybe you see them go after you know, a a bench piece or some backup point guard just in case Vincent continues to, you know, have the Kendrick-Nunson syndrome and just, you know, banged his knee in his house and is out the whole year, you know? So you need a backup point guard just in case for that.
2: Uh, Jake, you you uh, just real quick, because Jake has not been high on this team and he's been right so far. But again, I think a lot of people coming into this season were like, oh, this team went to the conference finals, just like regroup, reload, bring this group back. You've not been high on them. Can they potentially show you something before the trade deadline where
3: you're like, okay, let's go. This this team can compete. (laughs) I think, I think they can, and I think they've done a, like, they've shown me a lot the last, (laughs) last two nights against OKC and then against Dallas, right? And I, I would have told you a week and a half ago that I never wanted Max Chrissy to touch the floor again, because every time he was on the floor, he was forced to create for himself and looked like the second year guy that didn't get a lot of minutes in his rookie year that he is, right? The last two games he's been able to cut and work off of other guys and his job has been made so much easier, right? When the ball is moving and guys, you know, aren't holding on to things and the offense isn't stagnant, everyone else's job gets easier. And you're not ex- you're not asking guys like Max Christie and Jared Vanderbilt and Christian Wood to do the things that necessarily they were being asked to do before, right? So the load comes off of them a little bit and it's just easier on everybody. It's like like when like uh Lonzo Ball's year, years with the Lakers, right? Everyone's job was made easier because of the way that he moved the ball. They're finally starting to move the ball and it's not just like I said last week, guys that look like they showed up at 24 hour fitness and have never met each other and decided to play with each other for an hour or so. Like every guy just taking their turn, you know, iso ball, which is kind of what it was. Um, it's a completely different team the last two games. So if they can, if they can make this who they are, like it finally looks like they have an offensive identity. I totally think that they don't need to make the drastic move. Um, because you're getting a lot more out of D'Angelo Russell, you're not yeah. asking nearly as much out of Austin Reeves, and what you're getting is more productive. So I think I think that the style of basketball they've been playing over the last week is 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 beneficial to everybody involved. Uh, yeah, um, go ahead, uh, Gia. I know you have something to say. Go ahead.
4: I I just had a really quick question. This is for every. This is for everybody. Um, what if they don't? What if they revert back? Because this is again, like you guys said, it's only two games. This doesn't mean that they're on a roll. This doesn't mean that this is like they're getting the ball rolling. This is the team that they're going to be. Now, I'm not saying that this can't be the team that they are going that they could be, etc. I'm just trying to play kind of devil's advocate on this one and be like, what if it's not? What changes would you make?
0: And that's the thing, Jihei, is that this time of year is so tricky to where you can have a five game winning streak like the lakers they've won two great games against really good opponents like these aren't just they're not beating the pistons and they're not beating the spurs they beat the thunder and they beat a good mavericks team so that kind of confuses the front office to say okay well are we good or should we go pivot it just i think we need to see more of a sample size like there's still a lot of time until the trade deadline so i don't think a panic move is in the cards right now but That's what makes it so tricky around this time. Jake, go ahead. I
3: know you have something to add. Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it, right? Like, this is a really tricky time of year because you have to make the decision on who you think your team is because after, you know, the trade deadline, you can't make those moves. So... I mean, Rob Polinka's is really going to have to decide, is this who his team is, or is this just, you know, a really positive spurt of games? I think the fact of the matter is, it's not like they're just, just suddenly making shots and guys are hot for two games. They're playing a different style of basketball. So it's not necessarily like, oh, they're just hot for a couple games, or, you know, we've been missing X, Y, Z, you know, whatever. But it's it's just a completely different style of the game that I think that if they play like this consistently... I think you can buy into that.
2: I don't want them to do anything drastic because unlike a year ago, I did not think that that team, if they were just healthier, if they had a few more games together, if they changed the rotation that they could do something, this team is different. I've seen them go on a run. I think we've, we've talked about the West, uh, not being scary to my view. Again, I am not worried about the Lakers going up against the Timberwolves or, uh, you know, uh, the Clippers, quite frankly. But again, I do want to talk about the Clippers now. Because uh, Jake and Grant were both at the game yesterday. Uh, Clippers looked amazing, Paul George in particular, in the fourth quarter. Absolutely nuts. Jake, do you want to start off with a generic question to you? Just because since you've been back in Los Angeles, you saw the Lakers at home. You've seen the Clippers at home. Um, I guess thoughts on both atmospheres. Again, has changed over the years. Both teams are um, doing well, I guess you could say. But anyway, what, what were your thoughts there?
3: Um, just initial observations. The Clippers fans were in their seats before tip. Lakers fans were not. Um, and that may have had a lot, little bit to do with where, with where I was sitting. I had much better seats for the Clipper game than I did for the Laker game. Um, but the Clipper fans were, I mean, they were into it, right? Like, And, and for good reason. Like, the Clippers were making, like they just didn't miss wide-open shots. Like That was the biggest difference I found with the Clippers and the Lakers and the games that I went to and the teams that I've watched all year is the Clippers who had wide-open shots were, were making every single one. When the Lakers take a wide-open shot, I'm not incredibly optimistic that it's going to go in, right? Mm. Um, but... I mean, I hadn't been to a Clipper game in a couple years and they they've done a great job, right? It's a great environment. Like there there's a great product on the floor, both sides. It was honestly a great game, right? Like there were so many times when the Clippers could have blown that game open and then suddenly the Thunder went on a little five oh five oh six oh run and made it a game again. And and I know if you look at the final score, I think the Clippers won by twelve. Um looks like a little bit like the Clippers had their way, but that game was, I mean, Thunder took the lead, I want to say with four and a half minutes left. And then Paul George did, did superstar type things. Um, and I think that's what really benefits the Clippers is it doesn't have to be Paul George every night. And it can be Paul George. It can be Kawhi Leonard. It can be, I mean, Kawhi Leonard had 16, five and five and was getting MVP chance at, at the line. I know it came after a big block, but like that's just the level of superstar talent that they have. And then which I haven't even mentioned James Harden, like any of those guys can take over. And honestly, if any of those, those guys drive and kick so a guy like norman powell in the corner which they did consistently against the thunder every single just seemed like every possession was drive and find the open guy on the wing or in the corner they got great shooters to supplement those guys so i think the clippers are, are in a great shape um heading heading down to this stretch um and into the playoffs because they're they're what a game out of the two spot I, I would be very surprised if they weren't on that one or that two line come playoff time
0: yeah, and Jake, you brought up a great point is that I was just going to mention this is that the Clippers earlier in the year, they were not a top three point shooting team. Now they are number one in three point percentage as a team, which is it goes to show like they are getting wide open shots. They've they've essentially turned Paul George into a superstar Michael Porter Jr. Like that's kind of his role now. It's just... Stand on the perimeter and catch wide open passes because all the attention is going to James Harden and Kawhi Leonard. It's just that, that gravity that those two have. And even with the Vitsa Zubats out for four weeks, which is a big blow to them defensively, um, Mason Plumlee has stepped in excellent in that, in that game against OKC. Daniel Tice has been pretty good for them. I just think that it's kind of a well-rounded team as opposed to years in the past where you don't really know rotations. Now, everything is set in stone. We're going to run the offense and the system through James Harden. Paul George, you're going to be a spot-up shooter. But if you need to create off of that, go ahead and do so, which he did against OKC. And then Kawhi Leonard is just going to be Kawhi Leonard. Like, He got sixteen points and it just felt like he dominated the game on both sides. So for a team that yes, their health is very important. It is still the most important thing. Let's not get it twisted. They still have to stay healthy. That is the thing that still irks me. I just I'm I hope to to goodness I'm knocking on all the wood around everywhere that I go (laughs) nowadays to make sure that doesn't happen. But that is the main thing. And second of all, it's just it just looks cohesive. So Brent, I know you wanted to add something.
1: Yeah, I was just going to add, you hit it right on the money with a three-point percentage. I mean, Norman Powell is shooting 46% from three. Um, You know, In 21-22, he played five games for the Clippers, that's it, and was 54%. Other than that, it's the best in his career from three, right, with a large sample size. At the end of the day, that matters. What Harden, um, Kawhi, and George are able to do, creating shots, just gets Norman Powell wide open and is allowing him to have a career year efficiency-wise and like Jake mentioned with Max Christie and Austin Reeves being asked to do less and then they produce more. That's what's happening with Norman Powell because, you know, he just, you know, is there and open for threes versus having to create, um, you know, Russ has even been a spark off of the bench. I know he can't really shoot that well, but they, everything's working for that team. They're sixth in defensive rating. They're top three in EFG and true shooting percentage, net rating their top five. By all, me, by all accounts, statistically and visually, if you watch the games, they're a top five basketball team right now. Now you'd like them to take that next step if you're a Clipper fan, not me personally, and beat teams like the <laughs> Lakers more consistently because the Thunder and Clippers can't seem to beat the Lakers. I don't know why, but those are the two teams that's their cryptid nice. this year. Um, but again, they're moving in the right directions. So that's just what I wanted to add.
3: Uh,
2: really quick before we close out this segment I uh, want to get your guys' thoughts on USC basketball again we been talking about the Lakers and the Clippers but there was a lot of talk and a lot of hype around uh, USC basketball coming into this season with the guys that they had coming uh, back, LeBron James certainly by the way a great clip on our social with Le- LeBron James as soon as the game is over rushing to the locker room to see his son play well unfortunately he saw USC get blown out Um, Brandon, I want to get your quick thoughts and then G if you have any just on USC basketball again, I mean, I generally speaking, we're not that high on USC basketball that that wasn't the case this season. I mean, we thought this was a tournament team. They are both low 500 team right now that has lost four straight games.
1: Yeah, I didn't just think they were a tournament team. I kind of said it jokingly, but I kind of meant it. Um, I thought they were, could have been a Final Four team with the talent they had. Just you know, the how well coached they were the past few years. You bring in Isaiah Collier, you bring in Bronny James, guys like Rodman, Kobe Johnson coming back. All these guys. Right at the end of the day, you expected this team to be defensively sound. Most Enfield and Cronin teams are UCLA and USC, and they just aren't. And I think that's where the biggest issue lies. They look like. Jake says they showed up at LA Fitness and play together. Brawny's playing excellent, but, you know, I want to see him be more selfish. He was, he was that against Arizona. He was more selfish. And as a result, he could score more. Um, and that's been happening with Collier out. But, uh, again, they need to be more cohesive. Very disappointing year in Enfield. It might cost him his job as much as I like him as a human being and a coach.
2: GA, I mean, I kind of had the same thoughts there. I mean, generally speaking, there's not a lot of, um, hype or um, like expectations with USC men's basketball. New athletic director, a lot of hype, sold out crowds, celebrities, courtside. You can't be below five hundred. Your thoughts, G. hey.
4: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. It's still SC, but, and don't take offense. To this I love Andy. He's a great recruiter. Like a phenomenal recruiter, like the fact that you—I mean, granted, it's SC, and you're still in Hollywood slash LA. You can probably get those kids, and that's one of the main reasons why, especially with NIL, he's an amazing recruiter. But it's still SD basketball. This yeah. ain't SD football. This isn't Duke basketball. This isn't you know Kentucky. Like you're not, you're not in. I still don't think. That, I still think that this team in particular has a long way to go when it comes to being of that caliber and being in that in the conversation with that. Now, as far as them being a, a, a a team that can make the tournament, I mean, here's the thing. Anything is humanly possible. If they get on a run, then good for them. But, like, I I didn't see it coming in the beginning of the season. I don't see it coming anytime soon for them for this particular season. I think this is a team that just needs to grow. They need some more time. And thank God for the NIL, man, because some of these kids will actually come back. And we've seen that time and time again with other kids, um, you know, in major programs such as Kansas, such as Kentucky coming back.
2: So, yeah. I, I, I hope for the best for them. I don't see it happening. You know the the, the idea with 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 Collier though that you know I mean obviously he's going to go pro, Ronnie, and we'll talk about this uh, down the road. Like I don't think I've seen enough for him to go pro, but uh yeah. I, listen, this this to my mind, talent wise, just on paper, and we joked about that GK like on paper. Um, this was a tournament team. Can they go on a run and make it? Can they win the the Pac-12 tournament? Uh, perhaps, but we'll see. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the National Football League and uh, Mike Cowboy's making a really dumb decision yesterday. <laughs> we'll talk about that when we come back on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi
0: Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.
1: Time
2: or Hawaii color hotline three one zero four hundred zero three four zero. All right. Let's head back out to the circus sports guest hotlining and joining us now. The whole crew from the sporting tribune, Brandon Deutsch, Brant Mona, Jake Dicker, G. Hey, Wiley. Okay, guys. I need you to, um, console me. I need you to talk some sense <laughs> to me. Uh, the Cowboys really didn't even give me like a little bit of time to dream that 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 they actually care about winning the Super Bowl. The fact that uh you know twelve and five is a very good season, don't want to poo-poo that, but uh they have not looked that good in the postseason. So now you come in to this offseason where you got Bill Belichick, you got Jim Harbaugh, you got Pete Carroll, you, you got all these big names. And uh basically they're like, nah, we good. And <laughs> so yesterday the uh the Cowboys Here's the weird thing, and I think we'll we'll have to wait to get details on this. Mike McCarthy has one year left on his deal, and the reason that I thought the Cowboys would move on is is, is because when you have a coach in that situation, you don't want a lame duck coach. So, you, so have have you seen enough to give him a contract extension or not? If not, that is the lamest duckest coach you've ever seen, and that is what they're going to do to Mike McCarthy. They've they've seen enough apparently to say you know what, you're going to come back, Mike and Dak. I'm assuming he's going to come back. And the Cowboys are going to once again go 12-5 and 5 and get smoked in the postseason. Uh, Brandon, I'm going to go to you first, just because a year ago we had this conversation where I was really happy with the season that they had. I did not expect them to go uh, to the Super Bowl. I thought the 49ers were the superior team, and I was just really happy. At least they won their wildcard game against Tampa Bay, Tom Brady's last game. They looked very good. Um, but I said, listen, at some point, if you want to do something more than this, you, you have to change coaches. And I get why it's hard to fire a 12-5 and five coach, but you got to do that. Brayden, what the heck's going on there?
1: I mean, major changes are needed, and they were avoided this offseason um, already. And it, it's ridiculous because it's not – 12 and five season. Yeah, that's good for the Panthers. That's good for a small market team. This is the Dallas Cowboys. Now I despise them, but they are the biggest brand in football. There's no denying that they are. They're talked about on media sources all around the, all around the country, all around the globe more than any other football team. That's just the fact of what it is. And there's hate that comes with, them, and there's love. But at the end of the day, when you have a team that has a wide receiver like Ceedee Lamb, or has a defense that really looked great the whole year, um, and a quarterback that was an MVP type quarterback, say what you want. Yeah, Dak Prescott in the playoffs, but he had an excellent season. And at the end of the day, they did not show up. To me, that's on culture. That's on the head coach. That's on everybody. I know Jake, you know, is going to talk about. You know, he, I'm sure he likes Mike McCarthy because. He likes the Packers with the Wisconsin stuff. But my but my reasoning for that, and I'll let him stand up for himself in a second. I never thought Mike McCarthy was a good coach. Um I mean he was hired over to sleepover at Jerry Jones's house. Um and at the end of the day, this is a guy who should have won more than one Super Bowl with arguably the most talented quarterback to ever touch the football. Um, by a lot of people's metrics they had more than uh, a bazillion chances and they won one super bowl and that was on rogers that was not on mccarthy and the defense they had. so at the end of the day i do not like mike mccarthy as a head coach i think it shows unseriousness by jerry and he's only getting older what does he not want to see him win a super bowl in the next few years like well, you, you got to make you got to make changes yeah. arash
3: i was gonna i was gonna go but i need i need to let Jake cook here no, I mean, I, I don't have, I honestly don't have much to cook with, but it's, it's a weird situation, right? Because you're 12 and 5. And you lose in the first round of the playoffs. You don't reach an NFC championship game for you know the millionth year in a row, but you you lead the league in in points scored at five hundred and nine. You're second in the league in point differential at plus one ninety four, and you're fifth in the league in points allowed at three fifteen. Like it's not like they just coasted to a twelve and five record and had a bad schedule and and won a lot of high scoring games or games whatever. They dominated the league, like the regular season, absolutely dominated. So I'm not sure. But then again, I mean, then again, that's, that's not what you play for. You play to win a Super Bowl. You don't play to be the regular season champion. So, so I don't know what you do. Like, I understand the reasoning for keeping him, but I also understand that you want to win a Super Bowl and you want to be the last team standing. And they haven't come anywhere close to that in the grand scheme of things. Um, in, in McCarthy's tenure and. And I will say, I haven't heard Mike McCarthy in a post game interview or or a sideline interview in years. Like he, he, he coaches the game and that he, he's, I don't see him as a guy who's going to get his team fired up to go out and play a playoff game by any means. I mean, I don't know him as a person, but he doesn't, he doesn't have that fire. And I think that's what you need um, when it comes to the playoffs. So I get it. I know Brandon wants every head coach and every team in the league to have a guy. Campbell um I would love you know <laughs> that would be great but not every those guys don't exist um so who knows like I they, guess
4: whoa 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 they exist they're just
3: 32 not of them getting hired that's that's more of what I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying
4: they exist they just aren't getting hired <laughs> like I, I totally disagree with that. I think there's tons of former players out there that are trying to be coaches and they're rah-rah yeah, guys just Dan
3: like is kind of one one of his own. Like he's one of a kind. That guy 100%, is percent.
1: But you got Mayo too. Mayo, I think, is kinda gonna be like that. He's a little more like, you know, um cerebral, but at the end of not not saying Dan Campbell isn't smart. I'm just saying Jared <laughs> Mayo is kind of a different personality than that. But he's another guy that I think is up and coming that can fire
3: guys up. They need a coach like that, Jake. They just do. I mean, Antonio, cares? They're soft. Antonio They're, cares? they're soft. They're, yeah,
1: they're I mean, but AP, AP
3: will get a job. If AP doesn't get the Raiders job, he's gonna. If if he's not a head coach this year, it's coming soon. The Titans will hire him if the Raiders yeah. don't don't sign him.
0: I don't want to hear anything about the Lions right now, all right? That's enough about the Lions. <laughs> um, but anyways, I was going to say I was going to say this, and I always do this with every like major team. So we talked about the Lakers when, you know, Darvin Ham's kind of won back his job, right? And we talked about the Dodgers way back when they
3: fire other people up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And we talked about the Dodgers, right? Bringing back Dave Roberts. And obviously they had a great off season. I always compare these, these big market teams, these teams that are America's teams, I guess you could say in each sport. And if it was any other team, like if it was the Lakers that would get, you know, to the playoffs every year, but choke every time in the playoffs, you'd see a change. And I said the same thing about the Dodgers. And I'm going to say the same thing about the Cowboys. You saw a sample size already of what Mike McCarthy can do in the regular season. He's a pretty good coach. They have a lot of talent, so I'm going to put it on the talent more often than the coach. In the playoffs, they have not gotten it done. They have not gotten to even an NFC Championship game in more than a decade, more than two decades. So if I'm Jerry Jones and there is a treasure trove of free agent coaches right now, why am I not? It's the Cowboys. This isn't the Jaguars. This isn't the, the I know the Falcons are going off to big names, but this isn't a small market team. <laughs> this is the Cowboys. Go get Mike Vrabel. Go get Belichick. Go get Harbaugh. Go do anything to get that name in there. Arash, we were talking about it with the Chargers. Yeah. They needed that marquee guy. They need that guy to get over the hump. For the Cowboys, why should the Chargers have a be- a better coach than the Cowboys? That should never happen.
2: Yeah, I mean no. the the thing is what makes this soft season unique is who's available. So if if these guys were not available, I I could get on board with someone saying, hey, okay, you fire Mike McCarthy, who are you gonna bring in? And if Bill Belichick wasn't available and Jim Harbaugh wasn't available and Pete Carroll wasn't available, uh we could have that conversation of, yeah, well maybe you're right. You know, Mike Mike McCarthy did win a Super Bowl. Back in the day with Green Bay, yes, uh, they're 12-5. and five. Yes, they've been top five in all these different categories. So maybe you're right. However, this is an extremely unique offseason where big-name coaches are available. Um, so that's my biggest thing with this, is that this is not normally a move that I would have expected the Cowboys to make. However, when Bill Belichick is available... And that's the name that I went with because I think that, that, that's the name that makes the most sense for them. Um, again, the, the Chargers, if they don't hire Jim Harbaugh, I don't know what they're, what they're thinking or what they're doing. That's the job Jim Harbaugh wants. And if you're the Chargers, that's the coach you want. Um, but Jake, I mean, don't you think that because of the coaches available, this is why this soft season is unique and why I would not normally call for the job of a coach that went 12-5 Twelve and five and three consecutive seasons, but when you have this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. the Nick a coach. I would have been fine with any of those three except for Mike McCarthy.
3: Yeah, the more you the more you talk about it, the more I think you're right. And I think if, even if it's not Jim Harbaugh, let's assume that the Chargers are going to get that done. I think they will. Um, and even if it's not Bill Belichick, if even if it's a guy like Mike Vrabel, if you think Jerry Jones can, can go into next year with either Bill Belichick or Mike Vrabel and he thinks that's a better option than Mike McCarthy. And the more I think about it, the more I think it probably is, he's going to find a way to get that done. It's the Dallas Cowboys and it's Jerry Jones and his checkbook, right? Yeah. So it, it, it's, you're right. It's about you know who they can bring in whether it's Belichick whether it's Vrabel like I don't think Jerry Jones's list of who he wants needs to be very long like it's it's he yeah. can it's he's kind of with his coaching search I think after the Chargers that'll be the first domino or would have been the first domino um if they were to move on from McCarthy and he could kind of have his pick so I the more you talk about it, the more I think that's probably a mistake to keep him around given who they could bring in behind him.
4: yeah um, I just had a quick question, and this could be for everybody, specifically Arash, um, because you are a fan of this team. But there are so many people, so many Cowboys fans that broke. I don't know if everybody saw social media, but they were breaking their televisions. Oh, yeah. They were smashing everything that was around. They were throwing their flags, their Cowboy flags out the out the door, um, into their bushes. Um, there were a lot of really, really upset fans when it comes to this organization, just because they've been disappointed so many times. Um, and I don't want, I actually don't want to blame um, McCarthy. I kind of want to blame Jerry because Jerry is still at that point where he wants to make the decisions and he wants to be so hands-on. Do we think that this is still a good decision? Now, this is something that it's not going to make a difference. What we all say, because Jerry's just going to be Jerry. he going yeah. do what he's going to do. Uh, it is what it is, but um, just, It out there that if we could control the situation, do you think that it is a huge possibility? Maybe he needs to pull the reins a little bit and let let other people that he's hired do their job.
2: Well, gee, it's a great question, but I mean, whenever you have this discussion about the person who runs the franchise, I mean, Jerry Jones is not going to sell the team. He's up there. In, you know, I think he's 82, so he's up there in age. Um, It's going to stay within the family. His son is going to take over. St- Steven Jones, Charlotte Jones, Jerry Jones Jr. It's a part of the family. It's a little bit like with Dr. Jerry Buss. Now the Lakers were very fortunate that they had this amazing owner who pulled the right strings. And for a while there, there was some question. Well, you can't force the team to sell. And so right now, whether it's Jim Bus. Or Johnny Bus or Genie Bus, like like they gotta figure it out. And for a while there, it looked like they did. Again, the Lakers did win a championship. They got to the conference finals, but when the owner is a problem, and I don't need to tell Clippers fans this, um, there's no way un- unless you know you have a V. Steviano with a recording device at a TMZ. <laughs> it's hard to remove that franchise. But Grant, I mean, like I, you, by the way, you're not wrong. I think I think the common thread. Over the last twenty-eight years. Again, this team won three Super Bowl three Super Bowls in four years, had this amazing run. They have not even gotten to the conference championship game in twenty-eight years. The common thread during that time is Jerry Jones.
0: Great. I think the argument against G Hayes is that the team has plenty of talent. Um, They have a great defense, Um and, and I don't know if if getting re- – because, J- look, the Cowboys are still one of the most marketable teams. They are still at the top of the food chain when it comes to media and marketing. So, obviously, Jerry Jones is doing well in that department, and in terms of bringing in talent, I mean, they put together a pretty darn good roster. It's just that something – and I'm going to point to the coach – is when you get to the playoffs, you need to have guys riled up. You need to get have guys motivated and confident – and that's what Sean McVeigh does. That's what D'Amico Ryans did. That's what all these veteran coaches do. You know, I'll, I'll even say Kyle Shanahan because he's gone to a Super Bowl. All these veteran coaches, they just know how to do it in the playoffs. When it switches to that time, they know to do it. And Mike McCarthy did it one time and that's it. And I'm going to give him credit because he did do it one time. But, it, you know, <laughs> after all this time, you got to point to the coach because they have a yeah. great roster. They're still marketable and Jerry Jones seems like he still wants to win. He's still very mad when they lose. So I got to point to the coach.
4: Uh, yeah. 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 I'm not, I'm not negating th- this point. I'm just wondering, like, you know, I, I was just basically asking if, the, if this was a, if we could possibly let, if fans could had any kind of say, like what would they do kind of thing? Right.
2: Like, and by the um, way, like, like Jerry does, I, I think he is in tune with that. I mean, he does a lot of talk. You know, he has his own talk show. Radio. He talks to the media again. Yeah. So um, he knows what the fans wanted for whatever reason. And, and I'm surprised because he does like the big names. He does like, oh my God, it's Bill Belichick. And like, like we could, but uh, the fact that they, they did this and the reason that I think it's quickly is there's no need to have made this decision by uh, Wednesday, right? We're here on a Thursday and they've already uh, moved on really quick before we close out today's show. I want to get everyone's thoughts on this because again, uh, the the game I'm most looking forward to, and I know Brandon agrees is the 49ers Lions game. Um, Grant, Jake, and even GA to a certain extent, but GA was the first one to uh, kind of buy Jared Goff a plane ticket out of town. Uh, why don't to get your guys first, Grant. Are you okay? So the Lions beat the Rams. That being said, are you pulling for Jared Goff?
0: Ah, uh, yes, absolutely. I am and and that's the thing. I, I think a lot of Rams fans in that matchup. Sure, against the Rams, I'm not going to root for him because it's the team oh, that I root for, right? By and, the way,
2: Grant, I do need <laughs> Yes, that is my pick for the championship game. It is Lions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the divisional round. Uh, and if the Lions win and if San Francisco wins, which is my, my, my pick, Great NFC championship game. But again, yes. sorry. <laughs> no, no,
0: I, I, I'm glad you brought Jared Goff because I wanted to talk a little bit about it. Jared Goff deserves a lot of praise from Rams fans. He got them to the, to the Super Bowl. I mean, that, that's not easy to do. And he was young when he did it and he should deserve all the respect. And I'm, I'm very proud of what he's done and what the Lions are doing right now. I, and I agree with you. I think it's going to be Lions Niners anyways. Um, but in terms of the Niners game, I think that the Packers are coming in hot. I mentioned this on our pod is that momentum and confidence matters. And when you beat a team like the Cowboys, boys it become the first seven seed to ever win a, an NFL playoff game in Jerry's world, and then you have to go to San Francisco, it gives you a little bit more confidence if you're the Packers. Now, I don't expect the Packers to win, but I do expect it to be around a 10-point game. That Jordan Love's still going to put up some numbers, but I just think that the Niners are rested. They are healthy. They have an excellent offense. They have a great defense. The one thing is maybe the secondary, but even that, I can probably say that they're pretty good at. Um, so I expect the Niners to win this game probably like 30 to 20. Um, I think they will give up some points just because it's a playoff game. You'll probably give up some points. But the Niners to me and the Ravens to me are far and away the two best teams in the NFL right now.
3: Yeah, I, I for the same for the same reasons as, as, as Grant, you know, I'm pulling for Goff. Um, I'm also pulling for the city of Detroit. Like I, now that the Rams are out of it, there's no reason not to root. Um for choice, especially in the NFC. Like the Packers had their fun with Rogers and Favre. They've been great for a while. Um, the Bucks are not far removed from a, a Super Bowl with Tom Brady. The Niners have been consistently great. Like, why not root for the Lions in that city with Jared Goff and Dan Campbell and that young team? Um, it's just an easy, easy group to get behind. Um, and, and the last thing I'll say about the NFL before I kick it to Brandon is the Cowboy fans that were smashing their TVs and throwing their flags in their bushes will be back because the Yankees missed the playoffs and the Lakers are going through a pretty tough. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it happens. Um, yeah, why can't we be Niners fans? How long has it been since the Super Bowl win for the Niners? It's been uh, about forever as well. So hopefully they can get it done. But uh, going back to the point, uh, I do think if Brock turns the ball over, that's a close game. Um, with the Niners, if they get and they if they stomp you early, the game's over pretty much. It does. You know, all they need is a few stops, and if they keep because it's so hard to stop their offense. I I guarantee you, and I don't guarantee you many things, if the Ravens, if they didn't intercept that pass from Brock Purdy and they end up scoring a touchdown on the Niners and they're up 7-0, they don't lose that game to Baltimore on the 25th. That's a complete momentum shifter, and that changed the way Brock Purdy threw the football. Now, if you get the Niners to turn the ball over like they did in that Baltimore game, they're susceptible to losing. So it's, it's entirely possible the way the Packers are playing – that they could win that game. I just don't see it happening. And I don't even think the Lions game is going to be close. Billy yeah. sucked for like seven weeks. The Bucks mm-hmm. put up nine points on the Panthers. Like, let's be real here. It's going to be Lions, Niners, unless they, you know, the Packers can come out with a victory, which I, I highly doubt, but
2: it's possible. I saw this great meme about like, like the University of Michigan won the national championship and the Detroit Lions won their first playoff game and they may be going to the championship game. Oh. Yeah, there's also the Detroit Pistons who are not, uh, <laughs> doing that well. Of course. The Tigers but, suck too. And the Tigers suck too. So yeah, <laughs> listen, you can't, you can't course, have though. it all. You can't have it all. The one thing that I think has been fascinating, um, and, and, and I know Detroit's not the biggest market. These ticket prices, just because they've been maybe either whether they've been saving up or they don't know the next time this is going to happen by far and away, the most expensive wild card game. By far and no away the most expensive divisional uh, game. And certainly if the Lions win and, you know, most likely head to San Francisco, uh, Santa Clara, uh, the prices for these tickets are going to be nuts. Again, I know the uh, TV executives are not pulling for the Detroit, but to Jake's point, this, we're talking about a franchise that has never even made it to the Super Bowl. It's them in Cleveland, I think. I mean, there's probably some more, but never even made it to the Super Bowl. So I am pulling for Jared Goff. I'm pulling for the Detroit Lions. So we'll see how far they go. Um, That is all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy.
0: This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.